0: Hello and welcome to CIA Files, true stories of U.S. intelligence, I'm Topher M. Ford. My co-host, Brandon Givens. Brandon, words, I guess.
1: <laughs> I have words. Uh, oh, let's see. Uh, well, I'm still in Krakow. Uh, I've touched uh, a piece of a uh, Russian bomb that someone brought back over the border. Uh, it's uh, kind of interesting. And uh, we got sea locks. Um, some people donated money to us, and um, I ordered some sea locks, a whole bunch of it. And that's that um Locks rapid ribbons or uh, wounds and stuff. and I was able to give that to groups to get over the border. So hopefully it'll save some lives. Kind of happy about that. Yeah. Um, outside of. This, yeah, outside of that, I don't have too much news.
0: Right on. Um, well, no news is good news, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we do have uh, ah, news. Ah, my wife's news. in Ireland.
1: Uh, she just left Ireland to try to get her get her ancestral citizenship, so she's off on that adventure. But, ah. Yeah. Someone else has just landed. Someone else has, um, took a plane ride today, say the news. Of course, this, you'll probably hear this in the future, but Nancy Pelosi just landed in Taiwan.
0: Oh, wow. That's... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's pretty kind of tense right now. Yeah. I thought yeah, it was funny that I'm sorry, you can't what?
1: I can't get into my WeChat account anymore. And then maybe they they heard about me. China heard about Brandon Givens and is like no more WeChat for you. Um, um
0: Yeah, I um So today, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be going through a Newsweek article that was published last year that I found very interesting, uh, but it didn't get a lot of traction. This was written by writer and uh, pot stirrer, William Arkin, on May 17th, 2021, And Newsweek, the article is titled, Exclusive Inside the Military's Secret Undercover Army. And so this is basically an expose on this massive team of, you call them keyboard warriors, I guess, that are uh, employed by the Pentagon to, um, well, dedicated to something called signature reduction. So (laughs) now signal reduction isn't a new term. Uh, It's been used for it's been around. It's been used for years to describe ways to like minimize radar recognition for aircraft and, you know, uh, ships. Uh, It's also been used to, to to describe other methods to hide signs of soldiers and other agents in the field. Navy SEALs and other special ops teams often have to contend with this, especially in recent years, as things like small drones and heat mapping uh, make sneaking into an area undetected more and more difficult. Um, But we're not talking about that today. Today we're talking about... (laughs) (laughs) Not (laughs) that. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to clarify that, you know... This isn't a brand new term. In the digital world, uh, signal reduction refers to the massive amounts of data that we leave behind on the internet. Uh, specialists in open source intelligence have found ways to find uh, have ways to find these details. You know, they can look up information, a lot of information that you might not even realize is available. Uh, as well as information you think that's secret or hidden, so you know open source intelligence i can I could do like a quick Google search on an individual and often get their you know like their home address and like for example, I once just to see I did a Google search on ex our former c i a officer Mark Polymeropoulos and i was able to get his home address uh like schematics for his house and the the address that was listed was a rental i was able to see the you know like the rental company or owner of the house um i was able to see just past legal and personal information and that was of a CIA officer, you know, so that information is out there. It it, sometimes information maybe,
1: that was all fake stuff, though. Maybe that was all fake stuff put on by the signature reduction
0: people. Possibly, yeah. um, it's possible. Um, but yeah, so that's what that's actually it's a good way to point out that that's what the signal reduction team, uh. Does so for their agents and operatives who go out into the field? Um, this team will scour the internet to reduce the amount of information that is out there on the agents, they will also work to build fake online personas to help their help bolster their cover stories. So, um this information we've mentioned stuff like this before is open source intelligence or osint. Uh osint news outlet Bellingcat's team of osint trackers have been using this information for years now to track American terrorists, Russian spies, illegal attacks, uh I remember they were once able to track an American radical right wing extremist. He was a member of like the Proud Boys of the Oath Keepers or some group like that. And he was wanted uh for he, he there was a warrant out for his arrest, so he fled to Eastern Europe and members of Bellingcat were able to track him because he was still posting pictures to social media, you know, where it, and he would have, like, the location services of Instagram turned off, thinking that that was enough to hide his location. But they were able to still track him down from the, you know, like, other um, metadata and EXIF data that is embedded in that photo- uh, the photographs he uploaded. They were even also <laughs> able to use hints from... The background in the photo itself, you know, of like the wall behind him and stuff to track him down. Uh, Bellingcat, they were able to expose the identity of Russian assassins and a whole Russian assassin network who've uh, killed or attempted to kill people in other countries. Um, Alexei Navalny is one of those people, you know, the guy who was trying to run against Putin and challenge Putin and call him out for corruption. He's in prison now. Um, and he may not ever get out again, (laughs) but they were able to track down the people who tried to poison Navalny or they actually did poison Navalny. Um, but yeah, they were able to do all of this using open source intelligence, and so uh, here's a quote. This is a quote. Sorry, this is a quote from a private company called Optics Management. This is from their website opticsmanagement.com. This is their definition. Signature reduction is a technique used by the military and intelligence agencies to reduce online information or signatures of their undercover operatives. In civilian terms, it is a counter surveillance technique designed to thwart online reconnaissance by stalkers, hackers, and otherwise bad actors. Most people are unaware of the sheer amount of information available about them online. Signature reduction helps you hide your personal information from bad actors by reducing the searchable footprint of online activities common to the average internet user this includes, but is not limited to, not limited to purchasing subscriptions, booking vacations, and checking in with social platforms such as Facebook and Google Plus, which I thought was funny because this is obviously an old article. <laughs> Google Plus hasn't been around for quite a while. So the the team that is um, that works for the Pentagon is... Roughly about 60,000 people, which is way more than even uh, do the same thing for like the CIA. This is, here's a quote from the Newsweek article, quote, the signature reduction effort engages some 130 private companies to administer the new clandestine world. Dozens of little-known and secret government organizations support the program, doling out classified contracts and overseeing publicly unacknowledged operations. Altogether, the companies pull in over $900 million annually to service the clandestine force, doing everything from creating false documentation and paying the bills and taxes of individuals operating under assumed names, to manufacturing disguises and other devices to thwart detection and identification, to building invisible devices to photograph and listen in on activity in the, mo- most, re- in the most remote corners of the Middle East and Africa. So uh, what's it, another interesting thing that's in there, it says uh, paying the bills and taxes. So one of the things that these groups will do is They will help maintain the real identity of the agents who are working undercover so that the agents, uh, you know, their mortgage and their utilities are paid while they're working overseas so that when they come back home, you know, their lights are still on and they still have a house uh, because those are things that they can't tend to themselves because paying your bills with your credit card you know, from your laptop in Dubai is probably going to, uh, you know, give you away. Oh. Here's an, uh, more from the article quote, the newest and fastest growing group is the clandestine army that never leaves their keyboards. These are the cutting edge cyber fighters and intelligence collectors who assume false personas online, employing non-attribution and misattribution techniques to hide the who and the where of their online presence while they search for high value targets and collect what is called publicly accessible information, or even engage in campaigns to influence and manipulate social media. Hundreds work in and for the NSA, but over the past five years, every military intelligence and special operations unit has developed some kind of web operations cell that both collects intelligence and tends to the operational security of its very activities. Uh, Arkin wrote that there are six principles of signature reduction: those are credibility, compatibility, realism, supportability. Verity and compliance. So um, I think some of those are pretty uh I guess maybe a little self-explanatory, like credibility. Does this person's profile seem credible? You know, does that person uh if you see them and their undercover guys and then you look at their fake Facebook account, does the Facebook account match what you see so like are they are they claiming to be like the prince of monaco but they're dressed like a schlub in real life you know um compatibility and realism um and to be they didn't get it too much into the definition of all of these terms they did discuss uh compliance though Compliance is a big issue for undercover operatives. In the past, a convincing fake passport or driver's license or employee badge would be enough to allow agents to cross borders or enter buildings without trouble. But now such information is backed up in databases that security personnel check your ID against. The Secret Army helps with this by being able to access these databases and make temporary changes long enough for operatives to get in and out of where they need to go. Uh, This is described in Arkin's article as the express lane. So existence of this express lane was actually revealed in WikiLeaks Vault 7 leak uh, of a massive trove of CIA files. And we talked a little bit about that when we discussed Julian Assange and WikiLeaks a few weeks ago. So basically what this means though is a person is trying to cross the border with a, a fake passport and they're not in the database that the border guards are going to be checking to make sure the passport is valid. So... The person working on their computer for the express lane can access that database, put that person's fake identity inside of it, then the person can cross the border, they get cleared to, uh, you know, to go, and then the person working on the express lane will then go back and erase it so that there's no trace of that person in the database again. Um Yes. And honestly, like reading through this article, all of it sounds very much like what movies have come to lead us to expect. Uh, a lot of this reminds me of Mission Impossible stuff um, with, you know, Simon Pegg's character uh, working on the, the laptop doing hacking, although in this case, hacking is mostly just... Um, Monitoring Facebook and Instagram and (laughs) occasionally breaking into a database. Although, in their instances, it seems like they don't have to break into or hack into anything, they already have access to it. They talk about uh, in dealing with compliance things like being in contact secretly with their operatives. Bank, so that the bank, they get the bank to ignore like things that would normally cause a red flag to pop up that look like fraudulent charges, maybe. So that you know, members of this ghost army can talk with the bank ahead of time and go, "Look, this is going to pop up on this person's account. Just ignore it." Uh, they they. It seems like they dabble in. A little bit of everything. Uh, that includes. Th- uh, sorry, go ahead. I think it
1: could be. I think it could be um, a good setup for maybe a dark comedy. You, know, you get some like spy who's gone off somewhere, and um, you know he comes back. He's going to take over his his um, real identity, um, but the person pretending to be him has like catfished a bunch of women and committed <laughs> fraud and for men, women and men, too, and um, gotten up with a bunch of credit card debt, and, um, you know, has all kind of pictures of him, Photoshop, super expert, Photoshopping that's impossible to trace, doing horrible things, or up to no good. <laughs> it's like, he's got warrants out for him in four different states.
0: <laughs> right. It's like uh, that show Burn Notice, except he comes back to, like, he can't get a credit card, and Women slap him whenever they see him around. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so another thing that these secret firms do is uh, they do research and development for new spy gear, uh, making tracking devices, listening devices, uh, and making tiny, tiny spy tools, you know, uh, which is that's been around as long as technology has been around <laughs> yeah. um, some private firms and this is another thing that reminded me a lot of the mission impossible movies uh some private firms they have developed uh technology like hyper realistic rubber face masks uh they supposedly have these thin latex gloves that look like real skin they're not discernible as fake and they have fake fingerprints embedded in them. Um, you know. Oh man, the, you could this is like a
1: frame, you could frame someone so well with this.
0: I know, and actually last night as I was reading through some of this stuff, uh and I was in a more paranoid mood, I was like, "Oh no, just think about what they could do to me if they were ever decided that I'm a threat." Of course, and I was like, "I, I Chris, you've got maybe a thousand subscribers You're, you're, I think you're fine. (laughs) But, you know, the late late hours, you get to start worrying about the shadows. So, uh, speaking of threats, in 2015, ISIS, and this is kind of, this under, uh, like, reinforces the importance of this invisible army. Uh, In 2015, ISIS exposed the real identities of over 1,300 military personnel encouraging Islamic extremists across the globe to target these individuals and their families. Shortly after that, Russian hackers posing as ISIS members started messaging personnel on Facebook, threatening them and their families. Uh, You And they were getting this information from a lot of different sources one of them turned out to be uh fitness tracker watches that were being worn by u.s soldiers and other personnel like when they would go out for jogs or exercising (laughs) um those fitness tracker watches would give away their location and uh, you know and i'm sure that if if the fitness, like a lot of information that they maybe didn't get directly from the fitness tracker watch, the fitness trackers provided what is called an OSINT, is a pivot, which, which is like you get a little piece of information that by itself may or may not be valuable, but it, le- it points you in the direction of another source of information So, uh, you know, and I don't know exactly the details of how they use the fitness watches. um, But yeah, it's everything, every little thing. Like sometimes you think everything's locked down, but you'll give away one little piece of information that on its own seems insignificant, but it can act like a trail of breadcrumbs back to sensitive information. And then... Uh, Another example um, and a much more egregious example of this was uh, more recently, Russian soldiers were uh, inadvertently sharing sensitive operational details via social media in the first weeks of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And I think we talked about that some Russian soldiers were posting Instagram pictures and TikTok videos of themselves, you know, like heading toward Ukraine or crossing in the border or getting ready to, you know, start fighting. And they're like videos of uh, themselves like, Hey, I'm in, I'm in Ukraine. I don't know what we're doing here, but here we are. And, you know, there would be lots of information in those videos that they wouldn't, they didn't realize are there. Um, and then there was, of course, the. Sometimes
1: it's like they didn't care. <laughs> like, posing right. with, us. I'm totally about to steal this. And now,
0: yeah.
1: I dare you to find me. Here's my and, ID with my address.
0: And I, yeah. Oh, well, and I think it also part of it underscored that a lot of the soldiers at, at the very beginning didn't know what they were getting into, <laughs> that they hadn't been fully briefed on what exactly they were going to be doing. Yeah, and we had the same thing with the soldier in that special operations group in uh, Buca. Was that it? I think it was Bukha, yeah. Um, in Ukraine, who spray-painted his Instagram handle on a wall in a town where they were committing war crimes. You know, that's...
1: Talk about tagging.
0: Oopsie. Anyway, um, yeah, that's that is the opposite of signal reduction. That it would be signal amplification. But like we mentioned earlier in this, um, some of the stuff that the that this digital army does is get involved in online discourse. uh, You know, spreading misinformation and disinformation. Um. Which is reminiscent of Russia's IRA, their internet research agency, uh, the Russian troll farm that has been active for a long time now. Uh, It got a lot of attention uh, in 2016 when Russia was accused of meddling in our election process. And it was found that they... the ira russia's and i keep i say that i don't want to like confuse them with the irish ira yeah they were very active during our election season um posting lots of lies conspiracy theories Um, they pose as members of activist groups or sometimes they even create entire fake activist groups to inflame arguments and incite anger. Uh, Yeah, um, there's an indictment, I think,
1: um, yesterday or today of, um, uh, would be Russian agents behind Cal Exit, you know, like California is going to succeed. So, um, yeah, Russian National was kind of behind that, um, or one of the people kind of egging it on. And so, yeah, there's thought that... um, And he um, corresponded with a member of the the Federal Security um, Service, you know, so the Russian FSB. Yeah. So there you go. You know, you got like, oh, you know, we can turn them against each other. And you go to to the South page, and I think they got rid of the thing about Russian language lessons. And, you know, they're like a neo-secessionist group or southern secessionist group. And, you know, oh, Russia's a christian nation and uh, what they do everywhere else is none of our business and uh, we're going to offer russian language classes or something but i don't think uh, they have the language classes up anymore but yeah yeah it's um
0: yeah and, uh,
1: they gave money to the nra yeah, <laughs> <lot> of, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> one of the things that they would do is uh they'd pose as people on both sides of an issue you know say like a, the an online conversation about abortion or gun control and be, you know, rabble-rousers or accelerationists, uh, they'd, you know, make statements on both sides of the argument that were geared strictly toward making people angrier. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Although, I mean, um, I gotta say, though, uh, in a lot of... easy work. Yeah, well that's yeah that's it is easy work. That's um that couldn't have taken much pressure because people love to argue on the internet. Americans love to argue on the internet, but as we saw with the uh, leaks of classified tank schematics over video games <laughs> arguing yeah. online is a global that's a human uh phenomenon, but especially with America that, you know, there are a lot of issues and, you know, a lot of the people who have criticized putting so much weight on Russia's efforts to incite, um, arguments, you know, they've said that the stuff was already there, you know, people are already dealing with racism, with gun violence. People are already worked up about, abortion and other things so they were doing this incitement and spreading of disinformation but yeah like you said it couldn't have been too difficult a job you know yeah so that's part of what this unnamed hidden army does and I think part of the reason why this army is unnamed uh, is something else we're gonna, we're about to get into, and that's the fact that it's not a cohesive. I don't think that it's like a cohesive group that's performing this. Um,
1: subcontractors with subcontractors, and all they don't want it to be centralized. It wouldn't yeah. be very bright to have it centralized. No. So. But yeah,
0: <laughs> that brings us into. Uh, private intelligence firms, uh, which would be you know privately owned, not not owned or run by the government, but owned and run by citizens. Uh, These private intelligence firms aren't new. Uh, if you remember, we when we covered William Samuel Steven, Stevenson, he founded his own intelligence firm uh, before World War Two because his business connections gave him a lot of insight into the German buildup before the war. And he had took that to the British government and said, Hey, the, the, look at this stuff I found out. And they're like, eh, we, we don't have time for that. And he's like, this is pretty important. So I'm just going to do it. And then the intelligence firm that he founded eventually became the foundation for modern British intelligence. Um, uh, at a conference in 2007, The Defense Intelligence Agency uh, revealed that 70% of its budget was spent on private contractors. Uh, When Salon first ran this story, they spoke to someone from the uh, Director of National Intelligence's office about this figure from that article. Quote, Trey Brown, a DNI press officer told Salon that the 70% figure disclosed by Everett refers to everything that U.S. intelligence agencies buy, from pencils to buildings to whatever devices we use to collect intelligence. Asked how much of the money doled out goes toward big-ticket items like military spy satellites, he replied, quote, we can't really talk about those kinds of things. Which, you know, that that tracks. Um, The intelligence industrial complex has been building alongside the military industrial-content complex pretty much like they've been in lockstep they've been i mean they're almost like two sides of the same coin
1: right well, i mean that that's really uh, so like the, the republican party a lot of a lot of their stuff is, is um uh, giving the money to the corporations like taking public debt and make, turning it into private profit profit uh, they, they, a lot of them, the Democrats and Republicans want the same things done. They they want people to be put in prisons. They they want the mail delivered. Um, they they want some kind of retirement pay for people. Um, it's just the uh, Republicans, and this is one thing that is consistent, going all the way back to Lincoln with the Republican Party, is they care about the corporations. And it's the one thing that they do that has been consistent with them, and they want to make take that public money and make it private. And there's this whole myth that, you know, it's been started with Reagan and probably goes back before that corporations are, are more efficient or they're, they're better at it. And right. that myth has just been very much disproven. I mean, just, right. you, you see, i worked as a social worker for a, a like a private, like semi nonprofit that contracted with the state. I can't remember exactly if it was considered nonprofit or for profit. How that exactly worked, but it was not government. Um, I can't say it was any more efficient. It just seemed to be a way to pay people less. Um, Right. um, They tried to find creative ways to make it look profitable, or to like you know how do you how do you make helping a disabled person a profitable venture? And you know, and uh, that's making me think. I read about one of these contractors that was in a, a sci, kind of cyber-engaged... Their company was supposed to argue with, um, with um, like, uh, Islamicists, you know, like far-right Islamicists. And so this, you know, private company, they sold their services to the U.S. military, and they hired um, Arabic speakers, but it was uh, a lot of times... People that really didn't speak Arabic very well or people that spoke Arabic, but it was like Moroccan Arabic and not Palestinian-style Arabic. And right. they and worse, they didn't know the true politics. Like They didn't know the difference between um, Hezbollah and you know, well, the – I was going to say Marianite Christians, which maybe they didn't know that, but Hamas and Hezbollah, they wouldn't know the right. difference between those two. And they created some weird system where anytime they engaged in a conversation with someone and it ended where they had the last word or something, then they won the engagement. And then they would try to mathematically add up the engagement. Right. And It's
0: understandable uh, that they're otherwise would find.
1: Uh,
0: a- sorry, I was just going to say that's. That's uh, the technical term for that. It's called juking the stats. I think.
1: <laughs> well, they just had to try to create a system for stats. I don't right. even know so much that they were faking them. It's just we have to find a way to make this look. we bit got to find like a way, way quant- give our money's worth. Yeah. Yeah, quantify and qualify, and um, like ha- uh, prison, like the private prisons, which is you know not worked out very well for either the prisoners or society namely because we've created a profit point for incarcerating people. And that should scare, that should be scary because if we know that there's money in putting people in jail, and there are going to be people that want to put people in jail for the money.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's from what I hear, that's, you know, private prisons have been one of the secret uh, motivating factors or, trying to oppose legalization of marijuana in the United States. I remember uh, a while back here in Florida, I'm pretty sure this was when uh, Rick Scott was still the governor Their, their uh, talk came up again about legalizing recreational, mar- recreational marijuana in the state and the private prisons came like popped up and said, just to remind you guys, uh, you're contractually obligated to fulfill a quota of prisoners every year. So think about that before you, you know, <laughs> go lifting certain laws. And that was very eye-opening for me. I was like, oh, that's, that's not, uh, that sounds like a really bad <laughs> way to conduct things. I mean, it sounds okay if you're yeah. in the private prison business but if you're in the individual freedoms business uh that sounds a little Oh <laughs> yeah.
1: well, that's just the, the putting their thumb on public policy and not to, for the betterment of society but because of their profit margin that's just basic basic ethics you know like yeah. if you're going to benefit directly in such a way you're kind of like stay back it's just like I'm a judge and my, my daughter is the one that's been arrested, I really shouldn't be the ju- sitting on the bench or something, you know. <laughs> right. This is but at the same time,
0: I, I'm yeah. a judge, and the, uh, this private prison that's in my district or jurisdiction or what have you, um, they need more prisoners so they can farm out the labor, <laughs> and so that judge maybe gets a little bonus for sending more people there. Um, we've seen that happen before too. So, but, so, but yeah, to bring this back to intelligence and what this, uh, private, uh, you know, like the, the movement to privatize intelligence has done, there's been, um, this is, and this has been building for a while, uh, d- the development of a uh, revolving door of sorts between official government intelligence agencies, and private intelligence firms in the book legacy of ashes, which I recommend um, to everyone. If you're interested in the CIA's history, author, Tim Weiner discussed how the CIA has been facing a shortage of analysts and officers uh, due to more lucrative jobs with private firms. So you could get a, you know, you get a hired on with the CIA to be a, an analyst Work there for a couple of years, and then take a position doing the same thing for a private firm, but for way more money and And then the CIA now instead of you know having this person on the payroll, they've got to pay this independent contractor much more you know for the same work. But I was also reading that some officials in the government think that it's beneficial for the intelligence agencies because they say that these, their analysts and officers are, that they like go back and forth. So they'll work for the CIA um, and then they'll go and work for a private intelligence firm. And then after a while, they'll come back to work at the CIA. Um, And that that keeps um, ideas flowing. Um, It keeps things uh, dynamic, I guess. Um, But it also kind of sounds like it's making intelligence more expensive (laughs) for the government. Well, yeah, uh, perhaps purposely so. Right. And oh, it's uh, like, oh, all the laundry, the, the, the
1: military in Iraq. It's like, oh, we're not going to have soldiers do laundry. That's going to be a private job. All right, we're going to bring people over and pay them $50,000 a year to do laundry, you know, tax free. And, you know, the soldiers, uh, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've uh, heard different people who've served in, like, the army talk about, you know, being in. Iraq and just sitting around, uh, with nothing to do because, you know, someone who works for a private security firm was hired to do their job for them. And so they're just like sitting there watching somebody else, a citizen basically do their work. Uh, So I don't know if it's good or bad my the skeptic in me says that it's probably bad um in the long run but i, I don't mind the
1: government spending that money it's just it might have been better spent more efficiently in another way
0: right well
1: <laughs> you know, like, uh, like yeah i don't mind i don't mind them employing a private person to do a service but i don't know that you know that was the best that was the best use
0: did they hire that firm because it was uh the the best option for efficiency and for getting the job done in the best way, or did they hire that firm because the person who like the CEO of that firm knows the person in charge of making those decisions says, Hey buddy, remember how we were buddies should hire my company. (laughs) Um, Uh, Likely that one. (laughs) And the person making the decisions doesn't care because it's not their money. Um, You know, so it's, I, it's something I've been really interested in is just this notion of the intelligence industrial complex, you know, you're probably familiar with Eisenhower's speech, warning about the military industrial complex, that sort of emerged from the debris of World War Two, and the intelligence industrial complex, I think, has been growing with the military industrial complex this whole time. It just has gone unnoticed because that's what you want. If you're an intelligence company, you probably want to. (laughs) um,
1: Everybody knows about it. Right. Super secret size doing super secret stuff, but we all know about it. Speaking of intelligence, I was going to segue, but if you're not ready, that's
0: okay. Well, I was just going to talk a little bit about – The author of the article, um, William Arkin. So, Arkin is a pretty interesting figure himself. Uh, He worked in U.S. intelligence from 1974 through 1978. Um, After he left uh, U.S. intelligence, he authored four volumes of the Nuclear Weapons Data Book. It seems from—I haven't read— anything from the data books themselves, but from what I've descriptions of it, it they sound like encyclopedias about uh, nuclear weapons, which not a lot of people were happy about. Um, the second volume included locations of both U.S. and foreign nuclear weapons. Uh, the Reagan administration was pissed. They tried to have him sent to prison, uh, but... They couldn't get him convicted because he hadn't actually broken any laws. Later volumes of it r- revealed like u s intentions of moving secretly moving nuclear weapons to other parts of the world so that they'd have them there, but people wouldn't know that they were there um, that again did not make him many friends in the u s government uh, since then Arkin has been re- Reporting on human rights violations everywhere He's been a conflict journalist Reporting from war-torn locations He's written on the use of weapons like cluster bombs Uh, He wrote about the Pentagon's research Into building mini-nuclear weapons Like a suitcase bomb Or a backpack bomb Um, That led to a congressional ban on such weapons and a pledge from the U.S. government not to develop or use such weapons in the future. Um, so he's, you know, he's a whistleblower, a muckraker, if you will. Uh, in t- 2003, he reported on General William Boykin discussing the war on terror as a religious war. And Boykin wanted to engage in a Christian jihad. So general uh, general boykin um very strong uh fundamentalist christian who was uh, a big proponent of religious motivation for fighting uh islamic terrorists and yeah so he he caused a big stir about that at the time um it's sort of the story i think kind of went away um, but it seems pretty relevant these days. <laughs> it's yeah. it's something we're gonna talk about in Rise of Mammon. Um, the at some point, um, the prevalence of fundamentalist Christianity and you know, the far right uh evangelical movement spreading through the military. Um it's a thing. And not to say that I'm like this isn't trying to condemn people who are in the military who are Christians or even evangelicals um, but it, do, it is worrying to think that the military leaders are in lockstep with the notion of turning America into a Christian theocracy um, but yeah that's a story that's a discussion for another time
1: uh. Things seem to be heating up in Kosovo, and we have, all right, so just quick background, Serbia, uh, well, Yugoslavia, uh, which uh, dissolved, was made up of Slovenia, uh, Catholic speaking, uh, Catholic, um, Slovenian speaking, Croatia, which is um, mostly Roman Catholic, and they speak Croatian, which is very close to Serbian, but they write with Roman letters. Serbia um, itself, which is Eastern Orthodox, and write in Cyrillic, um, speaking Serbian, which is again very similar to Croatian, but different form of spelling. And then Bosnia itself, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, and this this region kind of in between Croatia and Serbia, that has a mixture of these um, you know, Catholic Croatians, um, Orthodox Serbians, and um, Muslim Serbians, because uh, it had been under the Ottoman Empire, and a lot of um, you know, the locals converted to, to Islam. And when Yugoslavia fell apart, uh, that the Serbs in that area wanted um, the whole kid and caboodle to remain part of Serbia, and there was a civil war and it was pretty brutal and it was essentially a modern day christian versus muslim religious war and you know there were uh, considered a case of genocide Uh, muslims were were killed in mass graves uh, put in mass graves uh, in concentration camps and then kosovo uh, which was also part of serbia at the time and It is Albanian. You know, uh, they speak uh, Albanian. They're largely Muslim, though there are um, Albanian Catholics as well. Mother Teresa was an Albanian Catholic. Um, But anyway, Kosovo itself um, broke away. And there was another war, which um, Serbia lost. And there's been kind of a brokered peace. Well, there's a border area with Kosovo that it's a majority Serbian. And so they're kinda of like, well, we wanna be part of Serbia and Kosovo is like, nah. And they have been driving around with um, like Serbian license plates. Yeah. So uh, you, you got like your government gets its legitimacy essentially from things like who can give you a traffic fine, who can give you your driver's license, who can give you your passport, um, who gives uh, you know, the license that goes on your vehicle. And Kosovo is now trying to you know, say, no, look, it's, it's time for you guys to recognize that you're part of Kosovo and put on the, you know, our, our license plates. And um, there was a protest and the border was blocked and there was some shooting. And so the K-4, which is the NATO mission there, said we're ready to respond. But in line with intelligence, I guess you should think about. In case you don't know, meet the president of Serbia, and his name is Alexander uh, v- um, Vučić. No, Vučić, yeah, Alexander Vučić, and he was the minister of information from 1999 to 2000. He's uh, during the war. He was, um, you know, pretty pretty hardcore. Um, Serbian, uh, this should all be Serbia, Greater Serbia, irredentist sort of thing. Um, but since then, he's kind of backslid. Uh, he's like, ah, oh, well, you know, we should all get along. We should get, we should integrate with Europe. And he's got this political party that's socially conservative, but um, it's pro-European, low taxes. Uh, I mean, it's in in many ways similar to what you'd say, like the the modern Republican Party, socially conservative, yet neoliberal policies like low taxation, free trade, and that sort of thing. Um, But he has been shutting down the press, or at least accused of it. And so, you know, if you watch the news in Serbia, it's all about how great he is, and then anyone who runs against him gets shut down or, you know— talked about how bad they are. Very similar to what happens in Hungary, where like, someone can run against Gorban, uh, but all the, the media is controlled by that political party, and so they're, they're not going to get any airtime. Okay, so yeah, I just wanted to give you guys kind of an update on what the, the goings-on in Kosovo was about and who the president is. And hopefully, there are, there are worries that Russia is trying to encourage Serbia to, um, you know, cr- call something. Uh, there's not any real evidence that I have found that the, uh, the Serbian government was behind this in any way. Um, now, the... Bosnia and, Herzegovina, Bosnia and Herzegovina has been split into kind of two separate areas. One is mostly Serbian and one is kind of like um, uh, Bosnian, Muslim, and Croatian. Um, they live more side by side than, than their group. And the Serbian Republic within that has been kind of agitating for more independence, sort of be able to nullify um, you know, like central government, federal decisions. And so, it's, you know, it's something to keep your eye on and kind of worry about.
0: <laughs> okay, cool, because I thought we were out of things to worry about. <laughs> so, <I'm, sighs> it's good to know. Um, yeah, so anyway, I hope that that's been informative and There's just, there's always more than, you never know everything, I guess. I mean, that's not a very poignant or an insightful statement, but it's just something to remember. It's something that I remind myself, you know, and it's kind of turned into my catchphrase. I'm not an expert. I I don't know for sure, but I'm at a loss for words. Let's just wrap it up. I, I think I'm done for the day <laughs> thanks for listening right. guys uh be sure to check out our socials uh our website ciafiles.net and uh facebook.com slash cia files twitter at cia files podcast instagram like share reviews like share yes. review interact with us please we're very lonely and we desperately want your interactions and more than anything we value and and get great personal validation from your reviews on your podcasting app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where, wherever you're listening to podcasts. Write us some, a review. You could probably do it while you're on the uh, the toilet there, on the potty, you know, and you're thinking your most intimate thoughts. Share them with us via the uh, review system yeah and uh, in the meantime uh, keep your bellies full keep your heads on a swivel Uh, some more stuff that you should do to be good and that's it